And so they had this whole suite. And it, uh, when Linspire 5 came out, it wasn't actually finished. So the press CDs, if you installed it, <laughs> like it didn't work. The applications <laughs> didn't even really work. Um, but because of CNR, they got updated in the background. So as long as people updated, you know, the, the programs did work. But there was still very basic in functionality. And they never really got, unfortunately, because the, the company never really survived much longer than that. Okay, Jeff. So since I know what your favorite distribution is, and I know how much you love it, I thought it would be kind of fun to revisit it. Um, so uh, someone that we both know that we have met mm-hmm. and hung out with at Southeast Linux mm-hmm. Fest um, has some experience with, with that distribution and that company. Am I going to enjoy so, this talk? Oh, you are going to love this okay. talk. You're going to love it. it so it, I thought I, when fine. I did an interview with Chris before, we, it, it kind of came up after in our interview just in chat. And so we had probably about a 10-minute discussion just kind of discussing the, the Lindos, Linspire uh, issue, the company, the saga. And there were some interesting things that he knew because Chris spent some time there. Okay. So I thought it would be interesting to kind of just ask some questions and talk about it because there's a lot of contention around Lindos and Linspire. Um, <laughs> and I think sometimes they, yeah. get, they get some undue hate. I think some of it may be justified. Uh, but... One of the things that I do respect for the company is that, of course, they were making an attempt. Mm-hmm. It might have not been the best attempt, but they were making an attempt. Um, it's like that and, misshapen know, like star th- meme, like, at least you tried or something. <laughs> yeah, right. right, yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and like, like all things in life, there's good and bad aspects. So right. I thought we could, it'd be just interesting to kind of dig into, um, since I know you are such a fan. Um, and by the way, for anyone listening, that is severe sarcasm. Um, Jeff loathes. <laughs> it's, I'll just say my loathing has has tempered since uh, the earlier days because it's been so long since I've interacted with it. I have to say there there was always a lot of hatred towards Lindos and Linspire from from uh, you know hardcore Linux users. So I get yeah. So Chris, I guess the the simplest place to start is like how did you get linked up with them? And I mean, there there was it just some random thing, or did you actually go looking for? It? Did you just happened to bump into that they were looking yeah, for sort people? of um so i wanted to work on making linux and free software easier easier to use and they were one of the first they were one of the only companies that were really putting energies into that um it wasn't so much you know they actually had made a lot of bad choices and it was a particular individual i i would mostly blame for that um and it was the end of the company also is <laughs> the, the reason the company went under um but um <laughs> Yeah, um, basically, I, I mean, I can tell you some things that are like people would be like, "Why would you do that?" You know, um, like please do, please do. Yeah, like uh, the root they they changed it so that you would have to be root there. To, like you would log in as default on root. And if you understand the logic, I, I get the logic, but yeah, it was just it was dumb. Um, basically, Windows ninety eight was the thing at that point still, and or some Windows 9X series, and that was how Windows was. So, like, they were trying to make it easy because people didn't understand the concept of, like, usernames and administration and stuff like that. So, I mean, the problem is that Windows XP was, like, right around the corner or was our, maybe it was even out. I don't even remember. But it was like, this is dumb because we know this is not what people are getting. Everybody has to move to this this system anyway because Microsoft is anyway. So why would you go, like, backwards when you know what's coming? So like that was just one example of like why why um there were some other things that they did that were like you know they got criticism for but you know I have I do I will have to say that when I was working there that it there wasn't that wasn't there it wasn't you weren't defaulted at root so <laughs> most of those issues were actually fixed before I ever started you know started at Linspire so what year did you start at Linspire so it meant two thousand five I think okay. no no I'm sorry so... not two thousand five uh. Uh, maybe it was. Yeah, maybe 2005, 2006, sometime around there. That's about when it started falling off a of Slashdot. Uh, before, it was, it was like a regular punching bag on Slashdot. And then about that time is when it started slipping off, I think, because maybe they started cleaning themselves up. So so interestingly enough, um, some of some of what happened was happened. Most of the most of the stuff people bash Linspire about was actually happened under Windows um, and under Michael, um, uh, Michael Robert. 
Robertson. Yeah, Michael Robertson. Um, and he was he's basically the one to blame for like Root and for like a lot of the proprietary components that were in it and just a bunch of different things. And actually under Kevin Carmony, um, and I don't know if this happened before or after Kevin Carmony um, became the CEO, but he basically, it, it, he was basically offered the position, but his condition of accepting it was that he had to actually be in charge. <laughs> so he... <laughs> said there's gonna be changes and those some of those changes were things i believe like the root the root thing and um they released a full set of source code for all of their in-house developed applications so like a lot of the things that people like you know criticize them for they actually got undone by linspire 5.0 um which was okay. by far the best the best version but yeah it, it certainly it, it didn't Unfortunately, uh, because of certain things that happened a little later, uh, you know, within the next two years, Michael Robertson made some decisions that, again, um, basically he took money from the company that he shouldn't have and through improper channels or improper means. So there were shareholders in the company. They were very, very small um, ownership, basically, of the company, but they existed and they were the employees. <laughs> so the problem is when you take effectively monies and you don't do it through proper channels like dividends and things like that you you're gonna you're gonna piss a lot of your employees off and so that's basically what happened and uh yeah let's just put it this way um the the company basically went under because of that and it wasn't because they were financially like it was a financial issue um there was actually some contracts that never got filled and would have like increase probably the profits by at least tenfold for the company but because those contracts didn't get fill, filled because they lost their employees basically um that's basically that's basically the real reason why the company went under it, it had to do with the fact that they went from 70 employees in like 2005 to 20 in 2000 by 2007 it was 20 employees and they did need to reduce their employee count i i, I will say um i think 70 was they, there was I, I i remember working there and i'm like why do you need so many people? And I'm just like, I just didn't quite, I just, there were some things I needed to do differently, but like they still had a business model that actually was going to work. So it wasn't really the business model that failed. It was, it was just really stupid decisions by, by people at the top basically. And, um, in the end it was, um, I actually turned down a job. Um, because, because originally when I was working there for them for a little bit, um, it was just over the summer, um, say I was doing an internship, but I was offered a job twice. I turned down the first one because I wanted to finish school. And then the second time I turned it down because I'm like, this is not going to work. Like I went out and I inter I flew out to um, San Diego to interview with them for like the second time in 2007. And I, I interviewed, they offered me the job and all the back of my head, I'm thinking, this isn't this isn't going to work out like like I'm going to have this job for like eight months, maybe six to eight months, something like that. And then the company's going to go under. And the people basically who were working there at that point, I won't name names, but the people who were working there still were like not the like they either they didn't have the people to actually develop the product. Um, and they also didn't have uh, people in charge at that point who were competent to do what needed to get done. So I, the guy who basically took over was, um, I can't remember his name off the top of my head actually. So it's actually, I can't really name him, but, um, he was basically in charge of the business. Uh, he was like the business, I'm trying to think what, what, what that uh, department was called, but it was, it's the, their business people, the salespeople, whatever, something like that. Uh -huh. And, um, basically his, he just, he just didn't have the competency. Like he was already making, like, he's probably the reason they did the root thing and some of these other things. Like, so <laughs> anyway, yeah. So I was like, okay, all right. They offered me a nice salary, um, especially at, at a school, but I was like, eh, let me, let me, let me, let me push this because I don't really want to go and work for them anyway at this point. So I'm like, so I pushed it <laughs> and they were like, oh, yeah, we can't, we can afford it. And it's like, and I, I, I kind of figured that was probably going to be the case. So I kind of sort of turned the job. I mean, I did ultimately turn the job down, I guess, because I could have said, okay, I'll take what you offered previously because they did already say, you know, I had the job, um, but it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be for, there was no way they were going to give me more than, than what their maximum was for that position that they, mm -hmm. that they were willing to pay. So ultimately turned the job down at that point a second time. Mm-hmm. That's good timing too, because it was not much longer after that that things just yes you called it. They survived exactly how long I figured they would, and good they call. never did get somebody to like 
fill that position <laughs> that they were trying to hire me for. So, um, and they, I mean, it was just, there was no way, I mean, they were going to go under because there's no, you can't, you can't keep a company going when you don't have the people to fill the contracts and to do what it takes to expand. Mm -hmm. So, so basically what was working for them financially, it just didn't, it didn't work at the level that they were doing it, especially if you were to take away the money from the company that they needed to operate. And so that's, so there was kind of a two parter here. So one, Michael Robertson basically took away the money that was needed to operate and two people left so they couldn't fulfill the contracts that would be needed in order to expand what was uh, called CNR click and run from being a Linspire specific thing to being something that actually ran on Canonical or Ubuntu and as we all know Ubuntu grew really really fast really really quick mm -hmm. if they had actually gotten CNR into canonical into ubuntu there would have been no problem even with having taken the money but because they took the money and they lost their critical employees there was just no way and one one guy is not going to fix you know one guy is not going to fix that problem in six to eight months so there was like i was like uh, yeah i needed i needed a i definitely needed a bit more money in order to make it worth my 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 worth my time and effort to go out there because it was like I, I know this isn't going to last. This is like, I mean, and it's crazy because they, they were around long enough to like to do everything they needed to do. And, and one of the other things I, I've noticed about, and this is like a very much a startup culture. And what I realized is that like they're hopping from thing, from thing to thing to thing. Like they don't ever, mm -hmm. they never really knew what they were doing. And Absolutely. it's like, I was in there two years prior. I knew what they needed to do. They never did it. They didn't want to go in that direction. And it, it was just yeah it was just the whole thing was and i i never I, I never pushed it but like i talked to the employee i talked to other employees and be like well why are you guys not doing this why why is this not happening and and i got answers and it was like oh yeah this 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 is this is like okay okay i get it it's that's not the business model you're trying to focus on but like i was kind of felt like this is where they needed to go and my 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 feeling was always that they needed to go more in uh more more take a little bit of an apple and a combination of apple and dell approach so yeah dell um so dell went from a model where they sold everything uh in like through through computer retailers back in like the i don't know i don't know exactly what time frame it was but at some time between the late 90s and early 2000s i think it was but they went from basically go from a a model where they sold through retailers computer, like physical brick and mortar retails and they switched over to radio uh phone and internet catalog sales so basically they didn't have any physical stores where you could walk into and it worked really well that was actually when they were at the very top of their game and my opinion was that what Linspire needed to do was basically copy that but also do a little bit of what apple did in that they kind of had the whole product catalog they had the whole solution for you and it wasn't so much that they had to go exclusively like their own product but it had to be the core of their focus in order to provide the level of usability and support the, of the market that they were targeting, which was non-technical users. So they didn't want to do that. But the reality is they would have needed probably like two or three people at most. And when you have 70 people, it's kind of like, OK, let's get rid of like 90 percent of these people. But let's have two or three people. <coughs> you know, we only have five developers as it is, right? Five or six developers as it is in the company of 70. So, yeah, wow. you're cringing. <laughs> that that seems like an awfully low ratio. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, so um, that I don't think that included the, the QA team. Um, but like, yeah, I mean, so and they didn't include like support, but I wouldn't have considered support developers either anyway, um, given that they don't program. Um, but mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it, it there were more. I would say there's more a little bit fewer more technical people in the company than that. But it wasn't like a lot of technical people. It was like a lot of it was like. I don't even know. It was like marketing. Like they had a lot of, I mean, between marketing and business and they just had all these different departments and it's like, what are you doing? Like, I understand having a PR person and I understand having human resources, but like, do you need two or three human resources people? Do you need two or three accountants? Do you need, it's just like the whole thing just, it added up and it just was, it was like, you need to keep it small until you get to a point where you can afford that number of people. And eventually I think they realized that. Um, but yeah too late perhaps did i realize that yeah yeah they, they were they were a little bit late in, in in figuring that out um so but yeah i mean they did do some smart things too like they got microsoft to sue them um i gotta give them credit for that and that that was michael robertson so it was his it was his uh it was his idea basically and basically what happened there was so to back up they got they started out michael robertson started out with five million dollars putting it 
put into this company. Okay. And basically what he did was he named it windows because he had an inkling that Microsoft would sue over the trademark. And the thing is windows is not trademarkable because it is effectively a, it, you know, there's, there's X windows. There's, there, there's lots of windowing environments that were called windows effectively that were not Microsoft windows. So even that predate Microsoft Windows. And so there was plenty of evidence to show that this is not like a valid trademark. And the thing is, Microsoft isn't going to want to lose the trademark on Windows. So they're going to settle and you know they're going to settle. So he basically, that was basically the whole idea. And basically it, it, that's what went down exactly as, as you would have thought. So they ended up walking away with $20 million from that settlement. And that's where Linsmeyer got basically most of its cash to... to to make it work. And that's why they actually were, they were actually around a, a while, you know, all things considered, um, considering how many times they managed to kind of mess things up a bit. Um, but well, I think there's some degree of a company looks a certain way. So when someone comes in, the business people come in, oh, we're supposed to have a PR person and a backup. We're supposed to have three HR people. We're supposed to have five QA member team members and, and three janitors and whatever. It's just like, a, this is what a company looks like. And a lot of startups that are having success, the guy that knows the business stuff comes in and starts hiring people. And you're like, we don't need three PR people. We need three more developers. Can you not see how many tickets we've got? It just seems like that happens a lot. And that happens there at Linspire. That's, that's exactly how I felt. You know, that's what, kind of what I, what I saw and, and I thought was going down, basically. Um, I mean, and they were throwing they were throwing good money at like things that were like, you know, I don't know if this is the the best use of the money. You know, some company, a lot of companies will do things like they'll throw a lot of money at conferences, going to conferences. And it's like, uh, and don't get me wrong, I, I'm, I'm a habitual when it comes to going to conferences and having Think Penguin there. Right. Uh, that's mm -hmm. my company. But like at the end of the day, <laughs> that's not money. That's that's not going to bring you money yet. It's like that's a that's a loss. That's not a revenue generator. And so hold on, hold on, Chris. I do have to disagree with you once there because I bought a little MP3 player from you guys at a conference. So you made at least a hundred dollars off of going to a conference. Now I don't know how much more money you've made. For for what? The three, four, five thousand, <laughs> six thousand dollars that we might have spent to go to it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are minimum that you can like manage to get into a conference and get a yeah. booth, right? So yeah. Anyway, Linspire went way farther than that. They actually started their own conference effectively, and it was jokingly referred to as the, the Lindos Conference or the Linspire Conference. And yeah, so and think of it this way. They basically paid for that whole thing, right? So that's yeah. a ton of money, right? And at the end of the day, especially the like the first handful of conferences, and I, I didn't go to those, but um, those were mostly like just different Linspire products and they weren't even necessarily like good products. This like, they weren't developed, fully developed. Let's put it that way. And a lot of those products never even got fully developed. That's the funny thing. Like a lot of them, it was just like, oh, we're going to throw our, our Linspire logo on an AOL dialer that somebody else wrote and then like <laughs> call it the Windows <laughs> dialer or whatever. Right. And don't get me wrong. Windows and Linspire probably did need to do some of that work, but I don't necessarily know they need to rebrand every application Linspire and then like come out with a press release for it. And so, <laughs> well, they had all those marketing people that needed to do well, something. Right, so exactly. Right, right. Was... right. So they were really, in, in some respects, they were really good at marketing. I just don't know they needed to do quite, throw quite as much money at marketing as, you know, they did relative to, right. I don't know, like development and, and so on. But I mean, again, they did, they did, um, and, and they did throw money at like other, uh, at other things that I, I, I don't want to say, you know, maybe if there was an unlimited amount of cash and you could keep going for the next 25 years, it maybe would have worked. Okay. So one of the things they did was they threw a ton of money, millions of dollars at the wine project. And I don't know if people remember this, but the idea that Michael Robertson had was, well, we'll just turn it into windows by adding window support. And so like, but that was never going to work. So they finally realized that. And then they started funding like actual Linux development of Linux apps. Right. So there was like L photo and, um, L tunes and, and as you might notice, they're copying Apple here a little bit. And so they had this whole suite and it, when Linspire 5 came out, 
it wasn't actually finished. So the press CDs, if you installed it, like it didn't work. The applications didn't even really work. Um, but because of CNR, they got updated in the background. So as long as people updated, you know, the, the programs did work, but there was still very basic in functionality. And they never really got, unfortunately, because the, the company never really survived much longer than that. Now there was a five, I think a five one in a five five release. Five one was basically just Linspire 5.0 with kernel updates, which actually broke some stuff, by the way, which is kind of humorous um which was really kind of critical at the time um like like having actual windows support like running be able being able to run it i think it was like win win for lin yeah win for lin was the name of the app but it was like like some oh i remember that one yeah right that was a uh, that was very widely panned we'll just say yeah so like like some of the things that like their their operating system kind of needed in order to make it work they kind of broke between 5.0 and 5.1 and it wasn't the only thing that they had broken and it, it was just it was like like there was other things they broke. Um, I'm trying to think so, what what some of them were. Um, but like it was oh hardware, hardware. They were constantly breaking hardware, and it was like, and they were giving people bad advice. And it's like this is not the way to do business. This is not the way to to make this work. And they just they didn't have they didn't have the people there who really understood Linux. And when your intern is being, when, when other employees are telling your intern, how do you know so much? And like, they're looking up to the intern, you got yourself a problem. And that's kind of, that's kind of what the whole Linspire saga was about. They didn't really have a good set of employees. And I, I will say one of the developers actually went on to work for Canonical and all I had to do was cringe because like this guy was like going around and oh, some of the things he said, I was just always, always, always like, I was so cringing over, um, but um, he did eventually go to work for Canonical, and um, he's the guy who basically was behind um, Click and Run, and I would have done Click and Run a little bit differently too. But anyway, yeah, it's just it's just yeah, the whole thing is. Is it fair to say that it was a comedy of errors? Yeah, definitely. You could definitely make a comedy about Linspire. It was just so stereotypical startup and doing everything wrong that they possibly could, and it's like. There was so much potential, but they just ruined all of the potential and nosedived right into the cliff. Um, That's a, that uh, more than anything else. I know I have a lot of complaints about some of the engineering and the functionality that we've talked about already. But I always felt like Linspire was positioning itself to be the Linux for the everyman. And here they were fumbling the experience so often. It's like, this is what people think Linux is. This is setting us up. The rest of us that are not using Linuxpire, but are using Linux, it's kind of setting the tone against us. And there was even some discussion on Slashdot. Is, like, is this a false flag? Are like, they're deliberately trying to be bad because they're trying to ruin Linux? I mean, they're even named after Lindos. So is there an association? Look, Microsoft did give them $20 million. And you can see how this room bill goes. I can tell you a little bit about that. So one of the developers... I had a conversation with one of the developers at Linspire when I was working there. And what he said to me, I was just like, are you serious? He didn't care at all about Linux. His thing was on creating an operating system, but it wasn't Linux. Like he did not give two, I don't know what if I can curse on this show, but he You can. Yeah. He did not give two shits about Linux, right? Like his whole thing was like Apple this, Apple that. And it, the whole thing was just like, it was so embarrassing. It was like, now he wasn't saying this publicly, but it was just like, oh my God, like, how is this supposed to work? You don't understand enough about what needs to be done to make Linux work. You're basically taking Linux and like trying to make it easier to use. And in some areas, you've actually you, you've actually done kind of what needed to be done. Like the main thing that Linspire brought to the table was a lot of tweaking and a lot of uh, user interface development as far as installing applications. So um, it wasn't the only thing. Like they did do, um, they did do. Uh, what was it what they did? They did, they did do. They did do some other things. Like they developed a DVD playback software at the time. DVD playback was, you know, and and I uh, I think the I I uh, I'm trying to think what it was called. Uh, it's an Apple product. I don't know Apple. Uh, iPod, iPod was a thing that was right. coming out. So like there were a lot of little things that they did, but um, you know, it, it wasn't. It, and it, so there was like there was actual code being developed and contributions being made. Um, so like there is stuff like even to this day that you can still find in your typical distribution that you can credit Linspire for. Um, 
but yeah, it's there. There's just a lot of little things. But yeah, one of the things one of the things they did that I, I, I cringed at was they didn't understand like if you tell people to go buy hardware that works with your operating system, and then they have to upgrade once a year, right? When they upgrade, the hardware needs to continue to work. And the problem is they were creating these things called hard. And I've always been a critic of hardware databases ever, ever at least ever since this this time period at a minimum. Um, is it probably about the time I realized that this is not going to work, but basically when you create these hardware databases, they don't work because just going and testing hardware and saying, oh, this works and, and, you know, Linspire five, that doesn't mean it's going to work in Linspire 5.1 when they go to uh, not even the different, a whole different version, but even the same version effectively, because 5.1 is still 5.0. It just has a kernel update basically, but 5.1, I mean, there might be some other, some other things, but mostly it was a kernel update. But when you go to update the 5.1 and it breaks your dial up modem, which was common at that point, still it was like 30% of the population. Um, that's a problem. You can't go telling somebody once a year or more than once a year that they have to go and replace their modem. So uh, anyway, uh, that was one of the other issues that always drove me nuts. It's like, this isn't going to work, guys. <laughs> and there's some other things that were like, that were really crazy about Linspire. Like, and I get why they were going this route kind of, but I also realized that it wasn't necessary and it also wasn't working. Um, so like they went and they had relationships with primarily two smaller um outlets uh micro center and fries fries um so they basically had computers lindo's computers or linspire computers in these um in these you know outlets right the problem here is that when your computer is $200 and it's utter garbage with no matter what operating system is on, actually it ran better with Lind Linspire maybe, but it still was garbage. What do you think? And you're not making any money on it, right? What do you think the companies are going to do? They're not going to sell Linspire. That's, that's what they're getting you to draw you in because they're not paying the licensing fee. So they just save themselves $30. But once they get in the store, they're they're upselling, all right? And they're upselling, and I had already worked in retail, so like I already understood how this all worked. They're upselling to something more expensive. And um, and that's exactly what they did. And so there wasn't even like a user base as a result of that. Their user base was like people installing Linspire themselves. And it's like, if you can install Linspire yourself, if, you, if, you're that, if you're at least that competent, I'm pretty confident you're competent enough to order from, you know, over the phone or, you know, online. And, and that's why I was always like, this, this the way this is, this is, you know, being done is just all wrong. And um, I was actually one of the, I actually created, um, I developed an application for them to, uh, basically do the very thing that I'm like, this isn't going to work guys. But I, I did that application to test the hardware to determine whether or not it would be supported. And I put supported in quotes, but just it fact that you can communicate with the dial, a dial up modem does not mean the dial up modem is actually properly supported. And so therein lies the problem with writing an application to test whether or not something is supported. Anyway, the whole thing was just, yeah, it was, it was, it had bad written all over it. But then the other thing they did was even actually made things even worse is that they added support for proprietary uh, software dependent <laughs> products, hardware products. So like products that, you know, we're not going to work tomorrow. And also they added support for products that were like, that were like, there was like a proprietary component, but the proprietary component would only give them half the performance, but then you would have to like up, grade to uh, the, like the full support and i don't even know if that was available it might have just uh, yeah it, the whole thing was just it was such a nightmare um if anything i would have been like let's remove all the proprietary stuff let's not give people the illusion this stuff is going to work and let's tell them to go and buy this hardware but actually make sure it's going to work and be like yeah we guarantee this to work you know down the five years down the road it's going to continue working um that would have been my approach and i kind of took that approach after i left linspire actually because i started a company to do just that just it wasn't focused on Linspire specifically um, because I saw the need in the market and I was like, this is what Linspire should have been doing. I can't do the whole distribution and this, but I can do, I can do that, that one part of it. And so that's, that's where I was like, let's, let me just do that because it's, it's going to, it's going to make much, it's going to make a lot more money. It's going to make sense. It's going to, you know, financially it's going to work. And ultimately it did. I mean, we're 12 years now on operations and you know, the company has been doing well ever since um, almost day one. I mean, it took us, it did take us like three years to really get off the ground, but yeah, I mean, it was still, it's amazing what happened when you're a company that focuses on providing customers with something good and then actually being able to develop a customer base that will be willing to actually 
return and give you more money in the future. Like, amazing business plan. Why has no one thought of this before? <laughs> as I say, it costs 10 times as much to get a new customer than it does to keep an existing one. So if you've gone through the process and you've actually captured a customer, you do everything in your power to keep them because that's the revenue stream. Right yeah. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing people have to, is the thing I also get, you know, I get people like criticizing and it's like one of the things, and I'm not talking about like people outside of, uh, you know, uh, a given company or my company or anything like that. I'm just talking about people like inside. It's like, and the thing, the thing I, I think employees sometimes don't understand is that you're not, you can't cater to everybody right if you try catering to everybody you're going to go under but you can cater to a certain market and and so you're going to get you're always going to get slack um you know from you know critics and whatever and so oftentimes those are your competitors just your competitors anyway right um but you're going to get that slack and and that's okay i mean it's it, you don't have to own the market you can have competition there's nothing wrong with competition um and and i think that's one of the reasons too like you know we've done just fine you know we've done well because it's it's a situation where it's like, and I'm talking about Think Penguin, not Linspire here, but we've done we've done fine, we've done well because we're not trying to solve everybody's problem. We're trying to solve the masses' problem, um, you know. But I don't necessarily, and and yeah, sure, we solve a lot of you know problems for you know more experienced users too. But it doesn't necessarily have to be the case that you have to buy every single. If you're a technical user and you want to buy from other parties, go for it. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. We don't have to solve every problem. We don't have to, you know. And we do solve a lot of problems. Like we sell parallel port cards, right? And we don't sell many of them, but we sell them. But the, the point is that like, we don't have to sell, you know, we don't have to sell every single niche product that's out there in order to make Linux and free software work for the majority. And and we don't, we solve, we solve as many problems as we can, as, as many problems as there's enough demand for, and we have time and resources to solve, but we don't go over, you know, over what we, we can achieve resource wise, because that would just, that would be the end of us um, if you expand too many resources. And, and and that's why that's why you can make a small company work is you just can't go wasting money on, you know, PR people and you can't go. I mean, that's not to say that you, maybe you can have a PR, uh, you know, outsource your PR team or something. But like there's ways to get around some of these problems. And if you do that, then things work. But if you have to, you know, make your company 70 people and, you know, hire, take everybody in house just to, you know, put on a show and you're not ready to put that show on, yeah, you're going to go, you're going to go under. So there's two things you've said so far that really jump out to me. Um, one is when you were talking about how they kind of leapt from thing to thing, hopped from idea to idea. And then also when you were talking about how, you know, it's beneficial to, to cater to like a specific market because I was doing some research online a while ago yeah, and right. I found some information about the different hardware systems, the computers that they tried to sell. Like they tried to sell a, a web station, which was, of course, all the rage that everyone was going to use that in the future. That's what everybody thought. It was really cringeworthy. Yeah, they were going to try to sell one of those. They had just their standard desktop PC. They then had a laptop that they were doing, that they were trying to do. And then they also had a media system, like a media station, um, media center. And it's like they, again, literally trying to cover every possible idea that was like out there in the early 2000s of, yes, we're just going to do it all. Instead of finding one and going, okay, we want to do this really well they ended up kind of doing everything very badly. Um, and on the hardware front, the other thing that jumps out at me is, you know, the support, you know, you were talking about, you know, your modem would go down when you'd update, which is even more hilarious to me because if, if my memory serves correctly, they were selling access to updated packages for like a yearly subscription, which you could only get, obviously, if you could get online, which having an internet access to your network card or your modem, kind of an important thing to be able to get the uploaded, the updated stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think back now uh, what the story was with that. So there was a, there was a, Lins, I think it was Linspire Pro and and then there was Linspire. But there was also like, so here's the thing, they, 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 they did a lot of hopping around. So at different points, they were doing different things. And at one point, I think you're absolutely 100% right. Um, they did come out with something called Freespire, Right around mm -hmm. the time 5.0 came out, which was basically it, it was basically Linspire. Um, but I'm trying to think if there was it was without the proprietary components at first for like media codecs and things. Um, and like I'm trying to think what else it didn't have. It was it was it was almost identical, except for for a few licensed third party licensed components. Um, but then they actually were able to release that as well. Um, with like Freespire 
6.1 maybe or something like that. And so in the end, they actually literally were giving away the full product. It just it had a different name. But it was too late at that point. They were already, they'd already, yeah, they were already on the downhill side of things. I was literally there at the height of the company. Um, so like, <laughs> and I saw, I saw it coming. I mean, I, I could say I could see where they were doing things wrong. I can't say I could see the downfall because they hadn't actually taken some of the steps that they needed to crash yet. But two years later, they had definitely taken all those steps. Uh, so, so you as an intern coming in and you don't have a business background, you haven't done this. You're just a kid. I don't know how old you were when you, when you joined them. But better business background or more knowledge when it came to the business side of things than the business guy who was uh, in charge of the business department there. I'm, I'm gathering that, which is probably also a big contributor to why I think Penguin has so much success. So clearly you have a background and you've got acumen in this. And it's not like, oh, they should have listened to me, but you know, there's an age difference there. You know, this guy probably is uh, Michael Robertson had probably started and, and had some success uh, selling off other companies. And so he thought he knew what he was doing. There's a lot of people that, that don't have enough background in software, especially open source software. It's one thing to step in and try and make software and sell software. It's not, there's nothing tangible to grasp. So a lot of people that are used to uh, making widgets and they come into the software world and just it's not the same. And it doesn't, doesn't really add up for them. Or I work for a company where a gentleman was uh, invited to come in. He had a background of success. He helped turn around some restaurants that were failing and had some pretty big success stories after he came and helped them. So with these notches on his belt, he came in to help with the software company and it was a disaster because he had no background in it. So one wonders if uh, Michael Robinson or some of the other gentlemen and ladies that were doing this, leading the company, thought it would be okay. This is what you do. This works in other companies. If we do it, we'll have success too. So Michael Robertson, his background was effectively right timing and luck. I think is what it came down to. Um, So I don't know what you know about Michael Robertson, but he basically was the the founder. I I think he was the founder um, and CEO of like 99% sure he was um, of mp3.com. And everybody knows mp3. Anybody who was around at the time, way back in the day, knew mp3.com. So it was, it was just kind of luck that led him to where he was with the money that he had in order, which led him to investing in, all sorts of things. Um, I don't know if any of those things are around today. I don't believe that any of them are actually. <laughs> so it just goes to show he didn't really have, I think, the business skills. Now, I don't know where he is financially, but he was even at that time, um, he was basically very wealthy and very poor. <laughs> and he was going back and forth between those two being very poor and very wealthy. So clearly there was something he wasn't doing quite quite right. And um, I, I, I think I think we could see a bit of that. Um, and certainly there is there's going to be, you know, when you're doing something new, doing something risky, there's going to be a risk and you could you could you could lose out. I mean, it's not like mm-hmm. it's not always assured. However, he did it wrong every single time it appears. So, <laughs> yeah, um, there was a professional a professional team that that took over. So he did do at least one thing right um, after, you know, he left as CEO. But then he did other things a couple of years later that were wrong and yeah, <laughs> legally wrong, very clearly uh, immoral. Uh, yeah, there was yeah. a lawsuit and everything actually um, later on too about uh, because when when um, when people left, well, at, at one point when people, some people, well, so it was a little complicated. But when the money was taken from the company and people were, I don't know if it was a little before this or, but people basically at some point there were people being let go and no, 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 no I think this was at the. This was more towards the end, I think. Uh, people were being let go. They were giving severances. And that's when Kevin... No, no, no. Kevin Carmody... No, no, no. They were reducing... I think what it started at was they were reducing their employee count. And so Michael... Uh, or I'm sorry. Kevin Carmody gave people severances because they were getting... They were letting them go. But it was the way the whole thing unfolded that they lost their, their, their employees that they actually needed in the process. So... Yeah, so I looked it up. Uh, Robinson was the guy behind mp3.com. Oh, yeah. I was 100% um, sure of that. Yeah, very early when I first heard about Lindos, I had a couple thoughts in my head. One was, of course, once the lawsuit happened, did he intentionally choose that name just to get sued so he could get a lot of money so he wouldn't have to go the venture capital route and be actually liable to anybody for actually doing something with their money? That's brilliant, by the way. That's really brilliant and devious. I like that kind of thinking. Yeah, me too. The other thing I wondered was whether or not he was trying to do a similar thing where it's put a lot of money into a company, make it look good, make some splash, make it flashy, because it kind of had a vibe to me 
like they were trying to rip off the Sun Microsystems vibe and like, look at us, we're high tech, we have all these cool designs, we're doing things edgy, and then flip the company and then sell it to somebody else. It, it was definitely a startup vibe. It was definitely a flip the company kind of vibe, I think. And it's probably what he was he was going for. And he did at various points, I think, say he was going to try and sell the company. So I, I I think there is there is his own words to back that up that you can probably find here or there. Um, and if not in print, then certainly in people who have worked for him. So. Yeah, I've thought about actually reaching, like trying to track him down and reaching out to see if he would do an interview about it. But Michael Robinson is actually a very common name in the U.S. It is. So it's it's actually really difficult to find just one in a haystack. I mean, maybe one day I'll actually be able to find a connection to him. If any of you know Michael Robinson or know a way to reach him or could do some sleuthing, then maybe reach out to him and pass along one of these episodes and maybe he'll be incensed enough to talk to us and want to defend himself or something. I would love that. To talk with him would be marvelous. Yeah, it'd be interesting to pick his brain. I might want to um, have Chris back on again when we do it, just to you know have a. I don't want to like face you too off. Well, but, I don't uh, know. Let, let's let, let's not okay. create a war here. You know. All right, you're right. I'm not trying to create <laughs> war. I just I think it'd be it'd be very dramatic to have a discussion with him and kind of ask him. Uh, he obviously had ideas for why he was doing things. So. So you might not know Chris, but do you, I know after the lawsuit there was some time that went by, and then there was that partnership that happened between Andros? Lindos and and Microsoft. Um, oh, yeah. Do, do you know, was that related to the settlement? Like, was that one of those things of like, okay, we're going to pay you off and then we're going to do something later? Or was there actually like genuinely they actually came to common ground? Because that never made sense to happened me. happened later. And I, I think I don't recall the details of what there that I think that happened. At, I wasn't around when that happened. I think that happened later. Um, and I think that was like they did that with a bunch of different companies. And I don't know exactly what the benefit was to to Linspire. I'm not entirely sure. Um, the impression okay. that I got was like they were going to be there was going to be some sort of um some sort of collaboration with like maybe I'm trying to think maybe like um I want to say ActiveX, not ActiveX. Uh, what's their login stuff? Uh, Active Directory. Active Directory. Yeah, that's it. Um, okay. That's what I'm thinking. It had something to do probably with like Active Directory and some of those other components to make it integrate better with a with a network. And I know there was even even before I think I went to work uh, for Linspire, there was some of that going on to try to integrate it. But one of the problems is that that was all proprietary, basically. And so that in order to interoperate with um you know you know a network like a business network um typically it, it that was that was kind of iffy and there was there was some reverse engineering went on and there was a law i think there was a lawsuit um at some point i can't recall can't recall the details of any of that but um, i actually know the person who worked on on like samba um um uh, actually i'm still working mm -hmm. with him today um but that's luke right yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know Luke. Luke's a good guy. Yeah. So um, but yeah, yeah. So there was definitely some of that. And some of that was um Zandros, actually. Um, I remember mm -hmm. them doing some of that. And I don't think Linspire really ever got anywhere with any of that. But um, but there was but there was a relationship between Linspire and Zandros that didn't work out too. There was a lot of things that didn't work out at Linspire. Um, I have to say. It, that was just like, oh man, there's so many stories. And it wasn't even like they were around that long, but there's a lot of stories. Well, now some of that was Windows also, because they had the, the antitrust lawsuit that hit them in the late 90s. And then right as George Bush becomes president, somehow magically the lawsuit gets settled. But there was still trickling out of, well, Microsoft had to be kinder, friendlier, smarter, and cuddly. And so they would make partnerships, very splashy public partnerships with things that would make them look like they're actually reaching out and being kind to other companies and other businesses, even competitors. Uh, so I, I remember recall, and this may have just been scuttlebutt at the time, but there was some, some of the relationship between Linspire and Windows towards the end before it was purchased by Zandros was some of that Windows and Microsoft is making nice. Again, I don't know if that's true or not, but it seemed like there was just some smoke there. And by then I was just more or less tuned out on it. It's like, I, I've formed my opinion. I don't need to hear any more news about it. I'm done. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't really know what to say. I mean, it was, uh, it, you know, it might've also, there might've been some, maybe there was some sort of media component relation to that too. I'm not, I'm not really sure they had everything they needed for like the consumer market. I think um, it was mostly probably like the, the business, the business environment where it was a little bit on the weaker side. Um, but 
there yeah i mean it was just yeah we're like remote administration like xandros had a remote administration component to it um um but linspire windows and xandros got into a fight and xandros supposedly didn't come through with some contractual obligations and so then windows uh, sued xandros and then xandros in the end bought Lin, the, the what was left of linspire effectively and then they and xandros folded because that was a bad move i was like what are you guys doing do you really think that there's anything left of zin or of linspire worth buying um you know they hadn't developed anything for a year um they were i mean they were they were dead they were dead in there actually it was funny is there's somebody um somebody bought the remaining assets to xandros and linspire and then they came out with um like free spire 9.0 or something like that in the last couple of years right it was a yeah early 2018 yeah i was like wow someone yeah it's like the name popped up again on my radar i'm like oh no it's back so the funny story about that i reached out to the guy because he's selling commercial licenses for linspire 7 um and so i reached out to him going talk to me about this like yeah what what does this money get me I, you know, I'm interested, and I I never heard back from the guy, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, somebody like contacts you, hypothetically going to give him money. Like he had pictures that were like physical boxes, and I'm like, dude, if he's got a physical box, like actual box, even if it's just a USB stick inside, like I will totally buy it off him for my collection just to have it because why not? But like he's I never heard collection. from him again, and it's like, what what what's going on here? I, you think you should think I want to give you money, so. So talk to me, but yeah, I haven't heard anything. You know too much. You're not the Charlotte. Uh, you're not able to be swindled by the charlatan, perhaps. Uh, I, I, okay, I tell you what, buy vibe get. I have to say, I, I actually tried to buy um, the domain name when it was expiring because they like let it lapse, <laughs> and I threw five hundred bucks at it because I'm like, hey, if I can own the company that I went to work for in my youth that then collapsed, that would be like just the ultimate, uh, you know, like collector's item for somebody who worked at a company that he then yeah yeah I never I, you know it's funny is that's the only company I ever actually like really worked for with like a professional job like a real job mm-hmm. and um, it's it really kind of funny because it's like I've not really ever had a job where I wasn't really working for myself as a result of that we got a good track record so I think uh, yeah uh, keep doing what you're doing seriously I'm curious what was the version of Linspire that we unfortunately tried last year oh that was not unfortunate Jeff that was very fortunate so I actually no, got those boxes out I, my I knew you would have it ready I saw them in the background yeah, and I just wanted, I wanted to give you the opening keep for it, it in mind this is what almost what 15 oh, yeah. years I, later so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's the whole point is we want to crash and burn run installing things and we crashed and burned on almost everything except linspire yeah really, jeff really jeff thought it was me. going to be a train wreck and it was actually the only thing he managed to install that night and actually worked he was furious i slackware i got slackware installed so okay, it wasn't the only thing yeah. but you went you did an older a newer copy of slackware not the old one i wanted to give you okay go ahead if i had to guess it's, it was probably linspire 5 Linspire 5.0. Spot on. <laughs> this is the Here's version. This is the and version that I actually have that actually works pretty well. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So your criticisms were probably not was pro- were probably harsher than they should have been because you need to update and you can't update uh, because the apps were broken when they shipped, but they weren't broken when people actually got them in practice. So, but Ooh. you would have been gotten like a beta version basically of the Linspire. So that may be the answer to my next question because <laughs> yeah. it, for the people that are listening, it's a Linspire retail box. It's 5.0 and it's blue. I, I, I also have a Linspire green 5.0 that like has lots of branding about the click and run. Like, is this... Is, is is the newer click and run box like is that like the okay we fixed the crap and the blue one is the we shipped the crap is or the green box five point idea? is the green box five point one um I don't think so let me look for a version um there is no version <laughs> hold uh, on wait looking the blue box looking. is definitely five point the plot thickens no version they're both two thousand five um there is not a version listed anywhere. Let me uh, let me actually open up and see if I can find a version on something on the inside. That rattling you hear, he's literally opened the box. Yeah, yeah. He had them ready. 
I, I knew he was going to try and ambush me, so I tried to pop the bubble before. He okay, so me. the blue one. I remember somebody doing a, a, a like a, a retroactive review of either I don't know if it was Linspire. It was probably Linspire. It was probably the one you did. And I'm thinking the back. Of, I don't know if I actually watched the watched the video or if I just you know saw the title or what. But all I remember thinking was, yeah, that's probably going to be a really bad review because you can't up you can't apply the updates that were needed in order to make it work. <laughs> um, but oh, I think I know what it was. I I think I was thinking it was probably like overly overly negative more so than it probably should have been but they probably didn't know that there were updates that were needed in order to in order to get the applications to actually work on there yeah so if you tried to open up like elfo or something like that like it didn't work like you try to save something it won't save <laughs> like there were like missing like core missing functionality from it oh we just i think we just booted it booted we went to the live system and uh i do my classic test on x to make sure it's actually working is i run x eyes and i play around with it for a good hour or so and so that's the only thing i ran and it's like well it looks like it works so what, I, what i'm hearing you say is that we gave it a clean bill of health because we didn't check all the nooks and crannies that we should have not even nooks and crannies just didn't check other functions and they might have not worked okay so the reason that okay i can actually tell you why why they released like a basically a beta version of linspire 5 and then they applied the updates later it had to do with like getting the cds pressed and it was going to be like six months to press them or something and so they they had that all they had the order like six months before it was actually released so none of the product was finished yet when they actually made the cds and those boxes were actually there wasn't really any money made on that it was like a hundred dollars a box basically to like have all that stuff put together so like there wasn't money being made on that even though that's what it would like sell for like that was literally like what it was being sold to best buy and all these you know retailers crazy. yeah yeah why is it so much to build that box it's just got some documents in the cd in there right? i don't know man i don't know well i mean i think there was a book in the box if i recall correctly um but it, it's yeah it was uh it was expensive you can't make money doing that it's not even i won't make it up on margins there's no margins there's no volume yeah no. yeah well right 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 so um yeah i mean that wasn't the you know that wasn't the the objective was not to make money that was to kind of get it out there that was the reason that there was a box done up and and so on but the reality is um they would have been much better off just giving away cds press cds just the cd like aol just mailing them out to people exactly bombing the neighborhood yeah so oh, yeah I, I pulled i pulled uh the other two copies because i have four copies because oh, that's no. you know the kind of person i am um, well we need to have a fire then so what i can tell you is the blue box came with 5.0.11 the green box also was 5.0.11 the one that's like a just a standard dvd holder case thing um, came with 5.0.59. Okay. Um, and then I have a, a 4.5 copy as well. Yeah, 4.5 was terrible. I mean, it was it was closer to 5.0 um, in terms of like the the prior releases of Linspire or when it was called Windows, but it wasn't. It was definitely not polished. Linspire five, they actually got things polished and working pretty well. Again, with the updates, not with the install media, but um. Yeah, I don't even, um, you'd probably have to, if you got a 5.1 disc, you probably, most of that stuff would work, I suspect, if you really wanted to review, you know, like L Photo and L Tunes, and I don't even know what else was there. It was, it was basically a clone of the Max. Yeah, unfortunately, oh, I haven't. You don't have one of those. Yeah, I don't a have a, uh, a 5.0 or 5.1. I don't have a 6.0, and I don't have an original actual Lindos release. The only releases I have were after they sued and re- rebranded. So I have, um, I, I, ha- I definitely have Linz. Oh, I probably have a ton of different versions of Linspire, but they were burnt discs, not, not, not the. I mean, I have a retail box, I think, unopened even, but um, I don't. Mm-hmm. Most of my versions are like. Actually, I probably have versions that you can't even. I'm probably one of the few people who actually actually has versions exactly. nobody else ever got. <laughs> I need to get archives off you one of these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's because I had access to like all the internal stuff. So I have mm-hmm. like like each day there was a new like i don't know if it was each day but it was i forget exactly what it was i, I know they did a a um there was uh you had to wait like overnight if you if you pu- basically pu- publish something because at the time everything was being built on like unix boxes and yeah it was took for super super long for everything yeah. to build but um i mean you could build it yourself on your own machine but if you're trying to push it out and then see make sure it actually worked you had to wait like overnight it was so frustrating because like during the day when it was stuff was going on it just there was just too many other people using it and doing it and their whole processes were 
were really, really frustrating <laughs> as a developer. Just add it up to the list of all the other frustrating things, huh? That would be really <laughs> fascinating to dig through the all, all the different things, because I know I've talked to Jeff about this. Like, that's one of the things that I love is kind of that software archaeology thing of taking a version and actually then seeing what's what did they actually change between the different versions? Like, what actually got updated? What actually got fixed? You don't do this with just software also, right? Because... You, you, yeah, there's some other fields where you do this too. Yeah. There were some nice things that Linspire 5 had um, that before anybody else, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with uh, like the like the live CD technology, you know, as opposed to installing mm -hmm. individual packages, cut down the install time like drastically. Drastically. <laughs> um, and, and it worked great. I mean, it worked great in our demo last year. Yeah. And they yeah. were doing, um, they were like, uh, although they, they were a little too soon to adopt it. But, um, and then of course the guy got imprisoned um riser i don't know if anybody who knows remembers hands riser uh, oh, yeah. uh riser fs um yeah they they adopted that like just before he got like uh thrown in a cage so oh, uh <laughs> yeah congratulations to the bad timing awards and there was a bug with like <laughs> a data corruption issue so it was like really bad to adopt that in the end mm -hmm. um for them but um i i don't know if that was adopted in 5.0 that might have been adopted in like 6.0 or something like that but um yeah it was uh yeah it was just like uh, yeah i'm always one of those people who i let's not adopt the latest and greatest technology until we know it's gonna work and yeah. um yeah there were definitely some things i wouldn't have done that uh they did so <laughs> i still build all my systems on the xt4 i know better fs is out there and zfs is like hardcore and, and doing real well <laughs> but i still xt4 has never let me down it even gets through like situations where i think surely this will not fs fsck will not fix this and then magic comes at the other side clean almost without asking me questions it just fixed it and i'm like oh okay and i think i'll just keep using that until it fails me it hasn't at the end of the day extension four works because it's got it's been well tested it's been around a long time and mm -hmm. all the tools are going to support it really well um there are some cool features with some other newer file systems but you know at the end of the day you might want to wait until they've been thoroughly tested by everybody else before you adopt them mm -hmm. and uh, the reality is extension four still works just fine for your average user so mm -hmm. there's a lot of upside to dfs though I'll say as that. a file system you have one job Yep, you know. losing data ain't, ain't, is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> ain't that's it. that's a big showstopper if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm always amazed when companies go and they adopt stuff that's like it's not ready for prime time. Why are you guys using this or releasing it? And it's it's a business thing, you know. It's like it's marketing. Mm -hmm. It's it's flashy, and and then people go out and they run out and they all you know buy it or try it or whatever. And it's like, and then they crash and burn. And it's like, oh yeah. I'd rather just get something stable that works and, you know, isn't going to fail on me than uh, to be. And I think, you know, it's funny is I, I think there's there's the people who play with Linux and then there's the people who like use Linux for real. And mm -hmm. um, it's just like kind of two different groups, you know. Do you happen to know much about the the partnership that was going on with Canonical? Because that always stood out as odd to me because they're kind of competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know a whole lot about it. What's the question? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, just anything, because like I never knew what the perp what the goal was, and they were both kind of targeting the same market, and it seemed like, what are you guys doing? Like is the this idea, I think, if I recall correctly, the idea was basically to move away from a distribution model and move towards a. Um, but honestly, it's actually what it's actually what Canonical is doing today. It's basically snaps. <laughs> okay, it just snaps, but it would have happened to, in two thousand seven time period not 2021 time period um and yeah it, it was basically just taking cnr and porting it to not just canonical but porting it across the various distributions that existed so that you know as you know snaps will work pretty much on anything well that's uh -huh. that was the that's basically the concept of it so and they were ahead of the time in in, in some respects i think um i don't necessarily think I, i'm not a big fan of snaps to be honest um but they were the ahead of the time and actually the whole idea behind snaps actually goes back to like 19 the late 90s i think early 2000s probably so it's actually been around a long time it just wasn't there's it wasn't called snaps and Snap specifically, it wasn't. But in terms of bundling all the libraries needed for a particular package so that they would run on different distributions, that was definitely around. I'm trying to think what it was called, um, some of the earlier stuff. I think it was called Click. K-L-I-K was one of them anyway. Um, and yeah, <laughs> at least one of you guys actually uh, recall something of this. And it didn't work that particularly well, to be honest. But um, it was definitely it was definitely the precursor to Snaps and Flatpak and you know all of these newer 
uh, an app image, um, all the newer uh -huh. stuff that, that they're doing now. So my first exposure to that was through, um, puppy Linux with the way that they were doing it with uh, squash file system as applications, as a bundle. Now that worked through AUFS. So it would only work because obviously it was just the binaries from like, if it was a Debian based puppy or a Slackware based puppy, it was the, the binaries and the libraries from that distribute that parent distribution that were just bundled together into the squash file system that you could load and unload as you needed. It wasn't cross platform in that way and cross distribution in that way, but it still kind of gave you the, I need this program to work. I can download one file. I can double click it. It's now installed. I can use it. And when I want to uninstall it, I just double click it. And now it's uninstalled. Yep. That's always been a classic feature of uh, OS 10 back in when uh, Apple was making their transition from power architecture to Intel architecture. They developed something similar. It would have been an 0304 somewhere around there, I think. They call them fat binaries, but those were multiple copies of the same code compiled for the different architectures and also the libraries and resources needed all put into one package. And the package itself was called the application. So they've been doing that for a long time. Uh, predate click because I, I think there was Linux. I, I don't recall if that was predate. And I don't, I'm not familiar with the Apple Mac stuff. And I know Apple often copies stuff in the Linux world. Um, so I don't remember. Do you guys remember if that was pre or post? I don't. Actually. I don't. I, I just know that, that Apple copies everyone and is like, look at this thing we created. No. Yeah. <laughs> this is one of these things where I always, I always think back and I'm like, and I'm like, oh yeah, uh, Linspire did this, or Lins, or some something else. Debian did that back in the early '90s, and it's like, oh, you guys are just adopting this now in 2018 or 14 or whatever it is that, that it is currently. But because it's done by Apple, it is now blessed, right? And it's uh, holy and divine because it came from Apple, right? I, I remember like Netcast, and all of a sudden they started becoming podcasts. It's like, dude, this has been around forever. Why are we calling it something different? But but it's on an iPod. I, right? I know, right? It's, right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, we're doing a podcast. Unfortunately, the name's still stuck with us. But the, at this point, it's just a label now, I think. For the longest time, it is. But for the longest time, I refused to use, use the word podcast. Because I'm like, dude, dude, it's been around for since the 90s. How can we go mm -hmm. and start calling it? You know, uh, a, like why? Why do that? All you're doing is taking Apple and using Apple stuff terminology. But mm -hmm. yeah. I don't. We share a lot of similarities there. It seems like I, I kind of boycott things because like that. I've seen that before. You're stealing that. I'm not touching that. And I kind of did that for podcasts for a long time. Like I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna use it. I'm not gonna use the term. I, I would just listen through the RSS feed, which is effectively I was in the background doing a podcast. I listen to it. I, I'm not a big fan of the word steal. Um, so I don't think it's stealing, but it, if reality wow. is, yeah, right. Like I, it's still like one of these things where it's like it's annoying to see like some company getting credit for something that had they had nothing to do with. They didn't even buy it. Like the they didn't even buy the technology. It's just like they just I changed the terminology for their own you know benefit or whatever. Um, but yeah, I guess, netcast probably isn't the word I was looking for anyway. Um, probably, probably just MP3, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's what we just called them. Yeah. You had, you had a yeah. show and you were delivering your content by MP3 and then someone figured out we can deliver it for RSS, have a feed showing, showing everything through. And thus the podcast without the name podcast was born pretty much. Yeah. So here's an interesting question for you, Chris. If, if you had a time machine and you could, you could go back and you could take over, over Linspire. What would you have done or what would you now that you, you've seen the whole saga go go haywire, go sideways and, and be just a bad thing? How would you have run it so that it would have been a good um, thing? I would have kept like a couple of things that they did probably. You know, it's, that's, that's always the, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't know exactly, but certainly the click and run, um, uh -huh. the concept, not necessarily the way it was implemented, but the concept, right. I, I think, worked because it was I mean, the whole point of that was to make it easy enough for, you know, anybody to, you know, install applications. And that was one of the things where it's like opening up a terminal and running app get is not going to work for mom and dad. So, you know, or grandma or whatever. And so so that's probably the core thing um, that I I. I liked um, some of the other things were it was a lot. They were one of the first distributions to use the, the um, I'm trying to think what it was called. Um, I think was it Clu it was Cloop, I think, wasn't it? I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure it was. Wasn't um, it wasn't that um, uh, uh, Canopics or not Canopics, uh, Canopics? Yeah, Canopics. Or am I thinking of a different distribution? Clauses, clauses thing, <sighs> Germany. I, I'm yeah, not I don't I'm not I'm not placing I'm not placing what it was. <laughs> so anyway, um, don't mean to leave you hanging like that. It just it's not coming. I think on. it's Canopics, isn't it? K isn't it like K A N 
OPIX or something. That's the live the live system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the live system that started it all. There was technically a distribution before that that was using Mm -hmm. um something similar. Uh, but that was that was the they're the ones who came up with it basically. Uh, Yeah, they did all the early engineering to make it work. I'm sorry, guys. I was like working on like software development and putting distributions together like before Linspire, and so like like there's (laughs) there's a lot of stuff that I'm familiar with. It goes back to like the early 2000s time period and even earlier in some cases um that you wouldn't know about as like just a user um so yeah so i just looked it up um it's before um, it was before like aus um yeah it was developed by uh linux consultant klaus knopper yeah 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 knopper knopper yeah that's his name i i think i said it wrong earlier but yeah i'm sorry it's been a while i haven't i haven't used it or yeah it's it's been a few yeah it's been a few years (laughs) i think we can give you a pass on that honestly yeah yeah it was it was great stuff though. Um, I was looking for that back in like 2000 time, like 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 literally like 2000 was the year probably, and maybe mm-hmm. 2001. And um, it was probably like 2001, or maybe it was 2002. Um, uh, as late as that. And they're just this 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 is it was before it was before he did that. And there was literally one one distribution, and it wasn't a distribution; it was a demo CD basically that had this. And when they came out with that, when he came out with that, that first version, basically, I was so on top of that. That was the greatest thing since sliced bread uh, to be able to run an operating system from CD with everything installed, and then it installs in like five minutes as opposed to forty-five minutes. Um, so yeah, there, there's there's a lot of things like that. I definitely think uh, that's you know, Linspire was, was smart to adopt. Um, mm-hmm. And they were early in the game to adopt some of that stuff as well. But, um, but it was something that was well tested and it wasn't as, you know, finicky as like, I don't know, Riser FS was. <laughs> I think that technology, the run live on a CD probably had more to do with Linux's, Linux's advancement and growth in the 2000s and even the 2010s because people could try the system casually without affecting their, their home system. They didn't need to install anything to get a feel for what Linux could do. So that when you have nothing to lose because you're not going to save anything, you could try anything. You could destroy the system. You could go, oops, I did something. Oh, I guess I'll just reboot and, and get back into my system again. And I think that really contributed a lot to a lot of people picking up Linux, perhaps even on their own, trying it out and finding, oh, I kind of actually like this. Because they didn't, it didn't cost anything on their system. And the benefit that you can actually check your hardware to see if it works before you go through the process of installing and then going, oh, wow, I just spent an hour of my life and I can't do anything. Yeah, it was definitely one of those things that made things a lot easier to use, too. Um, some of the auto, like, auto configuration was, you know, it, it was first introduced in a real distribution with Linspire, actually. Um there were there was the live disk and you couldn't technically install that but it wasn't intended to be a like an installed distribution uh prior to that so it was yeah linspire definitely did some things that were like this is smart <laughs> but there was but actually that even um even that live cd stuff actually that actually goes back not with linux but that actually predates linux so technically you can't credit like linux and i'm putting linux in quotes here but you can't can't really you can't really uh say that that was a linux development but it was still something that was very cool and very awesome that that linux world adopted uh, i mean they developed it but it was that implementation that they developed not not the concept basically well chris this has been this has been really enjoyable to kind of just talk chat back and forth about about uh about the old days of, of windows and linspire because it's always been something that i've i've had a curiosity about and there's not much information out there. A lot of the old websites that did have information are gone now. Uh, so being able to talk with somebody who had firsthand knowledge is is really is really great. And I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Yeah, no problem. Thank you very much. And I feel very validated for all of my negative opinions that you continue to taunt <laughs> me about. You know, I I had some vague memories of things and some some strong memories of some some experiences that I had in trying it out or or, or watching someone try it out. And to have Chris come in here and give us the background on it, I was like. That's exactly what I remember. Uh, some of their criticisms totally valid. They fixed a lot of the criticisms. They still made a lot of mistakes that people don't even recognize or know about. And yeah, it was one of these things that's just like you had to be there at the time to really know, you know, what was going on. And you had to kind of really some of the, some of the stuff you had to be really behind the scenes uh, to even know about, you know, as to why things were and why things weren't the way they were. So. And at the end of the day, even if it was a disaster, it led you to create Think Penguin, which has been a success. Yep. So it, it was still a good journey. Um, for those that are looking for hardware 
that is, you know, cares about being open and will respect, you know, your rights, uh, check out Think Penguin. Chris does a fantastic job there. They've got really good stuff. I will have links to Think Penguin in the show notes. And whenever we're able to go back to conferences again, if you ever see a Think Penguin booth at a conference, go over and say hi to Chris. He's a great guy. Uh, Chris, thanks again. Thank you very much, Chris. Have a great day, everybody.